Testing one, two. There we go, eh? Some light. There we go. Excellent. Already said morning. Andre just asked that I thank everyone that brought prophetic words. Um, really do appreciate the participation through the service and through worship. Um, yeah, I, I realized if my child comes to me and says they want, he wants to spend time with me, there's a constant engagement, you know. Um, I would say something and he would respond. And I think that's how worship should be. It's a constant engagement. Us enjoying our father, hearing what he says and responding to that. Um, I think the danger is that we fall into a culture and a structure where we wait and we sing songs and we respond to the music or what we enjoy or the familiarity of it. Um, but it's really, it, it, it should, um, things someone should know, but it's got to come from within. That's where worship and praise comes from. It's, it's from there then. And um, yeah, so I love the fact that it's sometimes Demokar and it's different every Sunday. Um, but I've learned this about the Lord. You've got to step, keep in step with Him. Sometimes it's very form and it's like you know where it's going. Other times it's very fluent and you just got to stay in step with Him. Because um, that's where true life is. That's where God is. So a couple of years ago, my eldest, he was two and a bit years old. I think some of you might have heard this. Um, and we were playing... He said he wants to play church, church, cat, cat. And because um, I thought, okay, cool, let's see where this goes. This can be interesting. He got in his plastic scooter, and off we went to church. Um, beautiful building, the passageway. Um, so we're in the, in, the, in the church building, and um, so now he said we're going to worship. And as we wanted to worship and start with the f- first song, um, he said, no, wait, 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 we've got to put off the lights. And um, two and a half years old, and he realized, okay, cool, you know, <laughs> we put off the lights when we worship. So he put off the lights, and so he started with worship. And the first song was, What a Beautiful Name. Um, it's the first song we sang. And then the second song we sang was, Vol, Vol, Fulat, this, that. <laughs> Deep worship time. <laughs> it's Vol, Vol, Fulat, this, that. And then when we were done there, he preached a sermon, and I had to say amen. And um, he actually then sent the basket around and said, no, you must give money. Um, (laughs) It was a lovely moment. And um, I realized there that moment, it's not about the songs that we sing when we praise God or worship. It's, It's really not. It's about the expression and the delight in Him. It's the response to Him. It's the intimacy in Him. And may that always be the case. If you hear and there's a song or it's a bit chaotic, think of all of Lord with it. <laughs> and you just worship Him. Worship Him. Two weeks ago I spoke about praising God and I want to build on that this, this morning. And we looked at um, praising God. We spoke about flipping the script. And many times we find ourselves in overwhelming times, difficult times, even quite times that we're in content with our circumstances. But we've got a people that praises God. Seven times a day, Scripture says. At night, uh, this morning we heard a Scripture, your praises will be continually on my lips. And the reason why we taught in that, and I felt the Lord said He wants to grow us in this area as a congregation when it comes to praising Him. And then secondly, it's a weapon that we can use daily. 
And we need to sharpen up with the tools, the weapons of our warfare. We've got to get familiar with it and sharpen up because we are in turmoil times. I mean, we might sit here next Sunday with eight hours of load shedding. You know, it might cost some of you your work and you might be without work. There's pressures at work, there's pressures at school, there's pressures at home, and there's, it's just crazy times that we're living in. But there's a weapon that we can apply that will bring breakthrough in our hearts. And that weapon is praise. Why is praise so effective as a weapon? When it comes to worship, worship is in response to who God is. In Bible, there's a law of, and I'm just doing a bit of recapping, there's a law of first mention. So you go to where it's first mentioned, and there's a lot of truth. There's a lot of things that you've got to pay attention to that moment, because in that moment, God is teaching us something. So in the first time they mentioned worship was when Abraham offered Isaac. And in obedience to God, he was going to offer his son, his prized possession, the son that he's been waiting for. He's got to offer them. And in that moment, Isaac asked his dad, what are we doing? And Abraham responds, we're going to worship. Worship is an act of obedience. It's a response to who God is. It's a response to when God speaks. Worship is a response. Praise, on the other hand, where worship is a response to who he is, praise is a choice to focus our intention on him. It's a choice to take our, fi- our focus and our eyes of what we are facing, and to put it on Him. So where worship is response, praise is an act of choosing to align our sight. And we see in Genesis 29, where it's first mentioned, praise. And I just quickly want to recap that. Because I think many times I've heard, it's actually funny enough, I preached this message two weeks ago, and now many times when you preach something, <laughs> you find yourself facing the test the next day, or maybe two days after. And I taught on prayer, praising God, spoke about regularly doing that, and it's a weapon of our warfare. And suddenly the week thereafter, it was one of the weirdest weeks of my life. It was just constantly low and stuff was happening, and I felt somewhat depressed. And if you know me, I'm normally quite a chirpy person. I'm just like, what's going on? And I'm like, ah, double-edged sword. (laughs) Let's praise. And I started to praise. And it wasn't just once of it. I regularly had to take my focus and choose to align my sight on him. And something started to lift. And so it, it is something that we will need to wage war with in this time. We've got to realize we're in a war. We truly are in a war. And we've got to wage war. And so if you maybe over the last two weeks felt a bit of a dip, struggle, your circumstances and being chaotic, you felt overwhelmed. God is speaking, and He's giving us the tools to navigate these times that we are in. So I quickly just want to look at the first time it's mentioned. I'm just recapping for those that weren't here. Those of you that will remember, we read the story about Leah, and she married um, uh, Jacob. And Jacob actually wanted to marry Rachel, but he was set. Now he's got Leah. Discontent with the situation, Leah always felt um, rejected. Not loved by her husband, but Rachel, eventually Jacob married Rachel. Rachel um, couldn't have children, so only Leah could give him children, which was a big deal back then. So she was hoping that the fact that she could bear Jacob an heir would cause him to show interest in her. 
And we read that every time she had a child, she named them. Um, we read there um, from verse 32. She gave birth to a son. She named him. Reuben said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband would love me now. She conceived again. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not love, he gave me this one too. And she named him Simeon. Again, she conceived. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last my husband will come attached to me because I've borne him three sons. And she named him Levi. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And then she stopped having children. Powerful passage. First time we see the word praise. And what can we take from that? Leah was in a place where there was unmet, there was a desire that was unmet. She was disappointed. She was looking for praise from her husband. She was not getting anything. And in the middle of that disappointment and discouragement, she chose to praise God. She chose to put a focus and a line of sight on Him. So what can we take from this? Firstly, praise is a choice. Praise is a choice. When we're here on a Sunday, when we're at home facing stuff, prayer is a choice. It lifts our vision and it completes our delight in Him. It completes our delight in God. Secondly, so prayer is a choice, what we deduct from this passage. Secondly, praise is a place of encounter. Praise is a place of encounter. So when I choose to align my sight and put it on Him, many times that's why praise precedes worship. Because the one we choose to put our sight on Him, and then we see something of Him, and then we can't but respond. And so we choose to put our sight on Him, and in that place of choosing to look to Him, there's encounter. There's in Isaiah, um, God speaks and He prophesies over Zion, which is a picture of the church. And He says that your walls will be salvation and your gates will be praise. Gates is a place where there's encounter, there's access, there's entry. And our gates are a place of entry and it's a place of praise. So in that place, our gate, you can determine what comes in and what comes out. And so as we praise, in one way we're opening up the gate and says, this anxiety, this troubled heart, this thing, go. <laughs> You've got no more place here. Oh, lift up your gates. Let the king of glory come in. That's essentially what happens when we praise. It's a place of encounter. And we see this here for Leah. Disappointment. My husband's not loving me. This time, choice. I will praise him. And there's that sense of contentment. Because she encountered him. And lastly, there is victory in praise. It's a weapon. It doesn't always change our circumstances. But it definitely shifts something in here. Definitely. And so in this week, when we gather here as a people... Let's be ready to choose to put our sights on Him. We don't always have to start with a fast song. By the way, praise isn't a fast song. Praise is a choice to focus on Him. So when we gather here, be always ready at community. Be always ready to say, I'm going to, this is number seven of my day. <laughs> or when you come to a church meeting, this is number two of my day. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise Him. I'm going to choose to focus Him, encounter Him, and experience that breakthrough. And so in meditating on this and processing this and, and experiencing myself the need to do this regularly, again, it's so basic. It's so basic. I'm discovering this again, meditating on this, preparing. I stumbled upon this scripture, and this is what I want to unpack this morning. 
James 3. James 3. Key verses are going to be in 11 and 12, but I just want to read a bit of that portion of passage. We're just going to read through a couple of scriptures this morning. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know where we're going from verse 3. Eh? Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I felt the Lord draw my attention to verse 9 and 10. With the tongue we praise our Lord and with it we curse human beings. Perhaps the writer wrote this because we forgot that our worship, that our speech towards God and our speech to one another is both a form of worship. I believe God is Highlighting this passage of scripture because he's desiring a people that will be consistent. That will praise him on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, during their lives. But they're also people that build up others, that bless others, that encourage others, that praise others. This scripture directly deals with the hypocrisy of religiosity where we think we can come and praise God and sing, and that's fine. But at home, our poor wives are getting it. Our staff. Or we complain constantly about the people in our lives, and we're constantly breaking people down, and we're cursing, and we're complaining, and we're moaning. And here the writer is calling for consistency. That we will live a life of praise. But our speech to others also reflect something of what's happening in that intimate place. You see, there should be praise vertically and praise horizontally. We should be a people that praise others, that call forth and praise Jesus in the lives of others. We need to be building people up. The trap of religiosity makes us believe that I can attend church Act the part, but not attend to my words during the week. The 
trap of religiosity says, I can attend church meetings, act the part, but after that, I don't attend to my words and how I speak to those around me. We've been called to build people up. So at home, with your wife, with your kids, at work, at school, you can't be a people that's glory, hallelujah, on the one side, and gory, halash, <laughs> wherever else we go. We need to be building people up. How's your speech? How's your speech? How's your speech? At home, at school, at the workplace. Are people feeling blessed and built up? How's your speech about the church and community? How's your speech about your leaders? How's your speech about the government? <laughs> what is flowing out of our mouths? Is it blessing or curse? And I feel God is really calling us to consistency. Why? Because He wants the church to reflect something of Jesus. And if we're not reflecting Him well in this area, we're not reflecting Him fully, so therefore we need to grow and invite Him in to come and change us. Your life is much like an elevator. Have you ever noticed when you were a kid, I tell you once, once not as little, but both of them, such a big deal pressing that button. Have you experienced that? It's my turn! It was Easton last week. He, he pressed the button last week. Okay, you press the button outside, I want to press it inside. And you stand there in the lift, and it's a fight about who presses the button, and they keep records, eh? <laughs> they keep records. Who pushed it the last time? Their memory is incredible. Tell them to clean their room, and you're like, what happened to that memory? Shop. And then you see adults in the lift. Oh, did you press the button? Oh, no, I thought you were going to press the button. Oh, I pressed it. Oh, you're so kind. And we changed from wanting to press the button to not really... <laughs> caring who presses the button. Funny, but your life is much like a lift. You can either take people up, build them up, or take people down. What is your life doing? Are you taking people down, breaking them down, tearing them down, or are you building up? Are you tearing down this church, this leadership, your community leader? Are you building them up or tearing them down? You might be New Year, still checking things out. You don't have to like us, but before God, you've got a responsibility about how you're speaking <laughs> about the church and the people. I don't mind when people tell us, look, I'm not so happy with what you said here. I um, don't think you guys are doing this well. Or maybe you're part of this church and you're not happy with certain things. Come speak to us. The door is always open. Don't tell someone else because then you're breaking down. You're not building up. So let's make sure on the one side we're praising God, lifting Him up. We're lifting Him up, but we're also building up those around us. Beautiful thing is, I've seen in Scripture that His salvation gives us reason. His salvation, He saved us. We were once all sinners. He saved us. And that gives us reason to lift Him up, and it gives us reason to build others up. Because we once were not a people. We all were messed up sinners. But he saved us. And that gives us reason to lift him up and to build others up. I'm going to look at two scriptures quickly. Two scriptures. And I want you to see this pattern 
of understanding our salvation, understanding that we have been saved, we've been made new, and therefore we need to do something. Look at what Paul writes, what we need to do. Is it up there? For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not point us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Isn't that good news? We might live with Him. Therefore, therefore, so in view of that, do this. Encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. So in view of that, we need to be building one another up. We need to be encouraging one another. To build up, that word there is okidomio. Oikodomio. Sounds like dominoes. Oikodomino. And it literally means in the Greek, that's a Greek word, it literally means to build a house or to erect a building or to restore a building so that it would promote growth. So to build up literally means to encourage someone, to speak life into someone in such a way that it will cause them to grow into the image of Jesus, to grow into more wisdom, into more love, into more affection. The, the right here doesn't say, hey, tell them, well done on your 5K. That's not the encouragement it speaks about here. It's encouragement in Jesus. It's like, wow, it's been incredible to see how you've just been serving those people. Well done. Pick up the phone for the next couple of weeks. Just daily encourage someone for brief moment as you pause and pray and pause and praise just get a phone and send someone else a message and say well done for running for jesus well done community leader for loving us and serving us and preparing every single week well done thank you for opening up your home yes well done let's build one another up so we can grow in christ we need to do that for our kids as well we need to be parents that build them up it speaks here that word does not refer anything close to, um, to something being teared down. It's all to build up, to strengthen, not to weaken, to promote Christian growth. Our, Christ, our children, if we say we're going to raise them up in the ways of the Lord, we need to build them up in Jesus. So we need to encourage godly character in them. How does that look? If they get an A, celebrate that. Say, well done. But make sure, parents, that's not the only encouragement you give your child. But if he shows patience somewhere, celebrate that patience just as much as you celebrated the A. Do I get the, do, you, do you hear me? Otherwise, what we do is we promote a worldly system in their minds, a worldview that says, I've got to achieve and that's all that matters. We need to make sure that that's, we celebrate their efforts and we celebrate their results. But more than that, we celebrate godly character. Wow, my child, you were generous. I know how much you love that you give that. Well done. That's the best thing I've seen this whole week. Well done. I'm building you up into Jesus. If you see someone in community on the church do something that's small, build them up. Imagine a community where we do small, menial Christian duties. And we celebrate that as if it's the best thing, like the Springboks winning the World Cup. We celebrate that. 
Ben Pradier, you can barely speak English. Well done, Ben, for just stepping out and just praying and lifting up Jesus. Well done. So parents, let's build our children up and make sure they're not hearing us celebrate our sport accolades and our academic accolades more than Christian character, the character of Jesus. That should be the loudest encouragement of all. I see something of Jesus in you, my child. Well done. Well done. Because then we're raising up them with a worldview that this is what truly matters. That's eternal. That's eternal. The others aren't. Should that stop? Not at all. I'm just saying this should be much louder. Amen. Um, Hebrews 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter this most holy place by the blood of Jesus, once again, our salvation by a new and living way opened um, for us through a curtain that is his body. So there was a distance between us and God. He broke it. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from our guilty conscience. So he cleansed us, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold Scripture, but not. There we go. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You see there again? In view of the salvation, let us consider how we're going to encourage one another. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So you know we've heard the scriptures many times. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints. Do not neglect gathering. Why? Because you're going to miss opportunity to encourage a brother and sister. Um, not gi- giving up meeting together as someone in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approach. But encouraging one another daily as the day approaches. A man came to a pastor once and said, I've got the gift. It's a gift of criticism. The pastor says, go quickly and bury that. If you're more focused on criticizing, you're missing something of his salvation. Because that's really at the core. If you understand what you've been saved from, that will flow out. Out of that will flow life and blessing on others. Thank you, Ferris. <laughs> I feel built up. <laughs> His salvation <laughs> gives us reason to lift him up and to build others up. His salvation. So let's be encouragement, voice of encouragement. I mean, can we do that practically? Practically as a church for the next season. Can we, can we intentionally start doing that? And just encourage one another. And I want to ask you, if you look at your life, if just for a brief moment, think of your house, think of your workplace, think of any social encounter. What would be people's experience of your speech? What's the feeling that people are left with? If you're not sure, ask people. Ask people. You ask, what, what are your experience? Because it says you should build up. And if the feedback is, hey, we're not experiencing it, 
to your wife or your spouse, your husband, and says, we're not experiencing that, listen, ask. Listen, even though your intention is to build up, the Bible says the tongue is like a fire. A little spark that brings out about a fire. If there's a fire, if people are being teared down, irrespective of your intention, you're not building up. Then you've got to adjust. Because maybe you think you're okay. But the fruit of that is not. And therefore you've got to adjust. I'm coming to land. Last point. See, we need to be controlling the tongue. And there's a whole passage. If you read that passage, there's a lot about the tongue. And you can meditate and work through that. I just felt to emphasize on the fact that God is calling us to consistency. So the issue is just not controlling the tongue, but actually dealing with the content of the heart. But if we go back to that scripture, we see there at the end, verse um, 11, what it says from verse 10, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be. It should not be the case. Can both fresh water and salt flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. So it's speaking that if something's coming out, there's something wrong with the inside, with the heart. We read other scriptures in James 1 verse 26. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues um, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up up in his heart and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of Jesus says in Matthew 15 verse 10 Jesus said called the crowd and said to him and said listen and understand what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them you see the the tongue reveals what is hidden in the heart. The tongue reveals what is hidden in the heart. And so if your tongue, your speech is building, it's not building up, it's tearing down, it's causing issues, it's causing hurt, it's causing offense. The Bible, the scripture says in James that we cannot tame the tongue. That's something the Holy Spirit needs to do. But we can deal with the source what's producing that speech. And that's our hearts. We need to deal with the contents of our hearts. You see, there's that thing that says, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The reality is words do hurt. Some of you sitting here, because people spoke words over you, and it's caused hurt. And sometimes that hurt causes a sick heart. And that's why hurt people hurt again. Because the heart is sick. And out of that will flow a speech that will hurt. So we've got to deal with that. What do I do now, Kevin, if I praise God here and tomorrow at house, at my house, something happens and I lose my temper and I say stuff and I'm rude with my family and I'm rude with my wife. What, what do I do then? You repent quickly. You repent quickly and you start to deal with the heart. One of our elders came to me this morning and asked me what I'm preaching on. I shared. He said, oh man, I actually had to call my family together just to say, forgive me for the way that I've spoken. That's beautiful. It's a man dealing with the contents of the heart. Because if we deal with that, you know, you can't control the tongue. 
He can't go out here and from this day onwards, I'm going to speak life. I'm going to just bless everyone and build everyone up. Don't deceive yourself. You've got to deal with the content of the heart. What causes a sick heart? It can be disappointment. It can be anger, frustration, unforgiveness. Maybe you look at your life and you're like, ah, this is not what I signed up for. This is not what I signed up for. You look at your children and you're like, I was hoping for two and a half, but <laughs> ten. <laughs> life is crazy. It's like, oh, I just, I thought life would be like this and now it's not. And there's this disappointment and discontentment growing up in your heart. And if you don't deal with that, it will flow out. The Bible says, do not go sleep on your anger. What's the scripture? Um, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Many times we quote that for marriages. But I want to tell you this. I think that scripture doesn't mean that we've got to sit there till 2 o'clock at night, my wife and I, and deal with a thing and only go sleep once we've dealt with that. I don't think that's what the scripture says. Or I've got to phone up my buddy and make sure we resolve this thing even though it's quarter to 12 but before I go to sleep, I'm going to, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that if there's anger in your heart, don't go and sleep with that. Go process that in the presence of God. Because if you leave that thing, it grows. And tomorrow morning you wake up and you think, oh, don't feel the sting of that thing anymore. I'm just going to carry on. And that thing lingers in the heart. And then someone slips something or they drop something in your household and suddenly it's like, Rah! and the tongue goes wild. Why? Because you didn't deal with the content in the heart. So if you see the explosion, quickly go and say, Lord, let me deal with what's hidden in the heart. Because the tongue has just revealed there's something down there. So God's calling for consistency. How do we respond to Him? We make sure we deal with the heart today and we continue to deal with the heart. How do we deal with our hearts? We be honest and we repent. For those of you that hearts are hurting, be honest and say, I'm hurting. And deal with it. Husbands, wives, this thing like we, we love to say, this little thing, I'll just divorce you then. That hurts. That's not a tongue that builds up. That's a tongue that tears down. We've become some social media. I think social media media has caused us to be able to post something without any form of accountability. You know? I can communicate hate under the banner of just sharing my opinion. It's nonsense. We've got to watch our words. And so we say something, we think it's just okay to mention it. Oh, we shouldn't have gotten married. That thing causes hurt in the heart. It breaks down, it tears down, it doesn't build up. Repent. If you've been in the receiving side of that, be honest today. And let God come and heal you. If you were on the side that were dishing it out, deal with it quickly. Today. And repent. Be honest and say, God, cleanse me of this. He's able to cleanse you and forgive you. Secondly, be filled. Have you ever seen that illustration of, of a, a glass and a jug? small glass with a bit of dirt in it. And then you get a big jug. And how do you clean the glass? You just keep on pouring the water. And that water starts to bubble out or fly out and suddenly the dirt water becomes clean as you just keep on pouring and filling up the cup. 
How do we cleanse the soul? How do we deal with it? We need to be filled. So we're honest. We repent. We allow God to come and heal us. And we open it up and we allow God to fill and to fill our hearts to overflow so that our speech will be consistent with our praise. Amen? It's been a lengthy morning to some degree, but I feel it's a, this is a crucial word for us as a church for where we're going. We can't, where God is calling us, we can't be tearing down. We need to be building one another up. And for individuals, I really believe God is wanting to bring some healing and freedom. In our marriages, let's build up. And if you're struggling, get people in to help you. Be honest. Get people in to help you. Here, can we stand to our feet? Maybe Greg, if you can come in. Thank you, Lord. We just all close our eyes. And um, just while our eyes are closed, you might be here this morning. It might be your first time in church. Maybe you've been in churches for many years. But this morning, you're not sure if you're right with God. You're not sure if your life belongs to Him. You've been here. You've experienced something. And it's almost like, someone's calling you. There's a sense of a calling, someone knocking, like, come, come, come. Um, almost like this feeling in your heart that feels like, oh, it feels weird. It feels like there's a draw. That is the Holy Spirit drawing you to come to Jesus. See, Jesus died on a cross because we all have sinned and um, we're a mess and we're sinners and we needed to die for the sin. Sacrifices needed to be made for that. The sacrifice needed to be made for our sin. And Jesus took that upon himself and he died on the cross so that that divide between us and God, because God is holy. God can't have sin. God can't engage with sin. And because of our sin, we were separated from God. But when Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for us to belong to Jesus and have relationship again with the living God. And if you don't have a relationship with the living God today, he is inviting you today to have one because of the finished work because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I want to give you opportunity this morning to respond to that. And I'm going to ask that everyone just pray together. And I'm just going to pray a simple prayer together. Because I want to give you that opportunity to respond to Jesus. So Lord Jesus, today I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And I need you, Jesus. So I ask that you would forgive me. I ask that you would come in my life. That you would cleanse me. And make me new. And now I confess with my mouth. That you are Lord. And I believe in my heart. That you saved me today. And that I can now have relationship. With a living God. Thank you for making me new. Jesus' name. If you pray that for the very first time this morning, then you just want to raise your hand. We would love to pray for you. Is that the very first time you've prayed that prayer this morning?
then I want to pray for all of us this morning. I want to give an opportunity for you to come and just deal with the contents of your heart. And if you were convicted this morning, if you, were, if you felt like, oh, I've missed it. I've, I've been big on praising God, but actually I haven't given much attention to my speech. I've been lifting up Jesus, but I haven't done well building others up. If that's you and you want to change your way and you want to say, God, come. I can't, I can't tame my tongue, but I can definitely open up my heart for you to come and cleanse, for you to come and heal, for you to come and sort out the mess in my heart. If that's you, don't you just want to quickly raise your hands and in a sense as a prophetic picture say, God, I'm opening up. Come and cleanse this heart. Come and cleanse this heart. I've been frivolous with my tongue. I've been frivolous. God, I want to ask your forgiveness. I've been frivolous. And I want to pray over you. Just reach out. Just open up your heart to God. It's Him that cleanses. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we just want to be people that's honest and real before you, God. And say we've messed up, we've been frivolous, our hearts have been sick, and we haven't given much attention to what's been happening with our speech and how that has affected people. But today, today, Lord, we open up our hearts and we say, would you come, God, and cleanse? Would you come, Holy Spirit, and would you fill right now? And would you fill to overflow? We want to be a people that build others up. We want to be a people. We want to be a husband that builds our wives up. We want to be a wife that builds up our children and our husbands. We want to be a people that build up those in community around us. We don't want to tear down anymore, Lord. We want to be a people consistent, lifting you up, building others up. Oh, so from our hearts, Lord, may it be a spring of living waters. Spring of living waters gushing forth. Spring of fresh water, not salt water spring of fresh water, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Have a lovely Sunday afternoon. There's coffee at the back. If you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for healing, um, just encouragement, come forward. We would love to pray with you, some of the deacons and elders, if we can hang around you. Coffee shop will be open. God bless you.